forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And a big kiss on Valentine's Day going out to all the listeners here at Winning Ponies. I hope you uh, remember to get something for your significant other. And most importantly, I hope your significant other remembered to get you something or has a surprise later. Anyhow, hi, everybody. John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Going to have a good show tonight. We're kind of we're going to Louisiana by way of Florida. Now, let me do some splaining there. Uh our first guest out of the box is going to be none other than Eclipse Award-winning jockey Brian Hernandez Jr. Now, I hope you folks were locked and loaded last week in watching the, uh, actually it was two weeks now, the Holy Bull, where Brian just put in one sensational ride aboard an interesting horse by the name of Harvey Wallbanger. Who remembers Harvey Wallbanger out of there? Let's see, back about 20 years ago, it was a very popular drink. And then a little bit, a few years after that, there was a buffalo named Harvey Wallbanger that used to race against horses. People would ship this in. He couldn't go far, but if it was a short 50-yard run, that old buffalo could keep up with some of those thoroughbreds. And uh, not sure if he's still around today. I didn't do that much research. But uh, the, the ride that uh, Brian gave uh, on Harvey in the uh, Holy Bull was unbelievable. And it was unbelievable to a lot of people who dismissed him at 29 to 1. So we're going to talk about Brian and the uh, gamble he kind of took this year. Normally he uh, stays in more in familiar environs. Uh, you know, going from Kentucky perhaps to the fairgrounds, but he decided to take the jump at Gulfstream Park. And a lot of the trainers that believed in him uh, have been more than happy to uh, support him, uh, one of them being my friend Kenny McPeak. And uh, so we're going to talk to Brian about his uh, transition to Gulfstream and about this interestingly named horse, Harvey Wallbanger, who may well be on his way to a trip to the Fountain of Youth and then on to Churchill Downs for the first Saturday in May. A very interesting uh, story. Of course, uh, his uh, brother Cody passed the 2,000 win a plateau just the day before Brian won the Holy Bull. So we're going to talk to him about his family affair with racing. And then after that, uh, we're getting familiar with uh, Ryan Martin. He's a Louisville boy and a longtime horse racing fan, and now he's uh, basically the publicist at the fairgrounds, and what a card they have. Six stakes on Saturday's program, and four of those are graded stakes races. This is going to be a great card. A lot of pick threes, pick fours. Ryan uh, has given us winners in the past. Hopefully, he can give us uh, some for next Saturday. So he'll be our second guest. And uh, if you were in case asleep at the wheel, let's take a look at these uh, graded races. Um, the uh, mine shaft will start us off. That's going to be the ninth race in there. And uh, 
the uh, the grade three race carries a purse of $150,000. And we'll get some inside information on some of Brian's mounts, I hope. He's riding two-time Ohio Horse of the Year, Mo Don't Know, who might be getting a little long in the tooth. But Brian's uncle used to train this horse, so maybe he did it as a favorite to Jeff Radasevich. Uh, his, he is married to Jamie Radasevich. Uh, so from there, we'll go to the 10th race, and it's the Fairgrounds handicap this one on the turf very interested some horses with a lot of turf experience and back class and i think this is the one that brian probably came in for while he picked up these other mounts where he is the mount on first premio who just won the colonel bradley handicap one hundred twenty thousand dollar race going a mile and a 16th going to stretch out a little bit at the fairgrounds but he won that race easily by three and a quarter lengths he's had two starts at the fairgrounds a win and a second the other one was in the woodchopper stakes uh last year so uh that's going to be the second race we're going to look at then we move on to the rachel alexandra what a race this has been three of the last five kentucky oaks winners came out of this race repeat three of the last five kentucky oaks winners came out of this race monomoy girl and untappable won this race and the fairgrounds oaks while lovely maria was the runner up in this race and went on to win the kentucky oaks and by the way trivia question barbette who was the first rider ever to win a race on rachel alexandra i was there happened to be a jockey by the name of Brian Hernandez Jr. Okay, and then we go on to the Risen Star, a horse I saw before we ever started down there from the Louis Roussel barn. Yes, I am dating myself, but this is a derby prep race leading up to the Louisiana Derby. Brian's got the mount on Limonite, uh, Steve Asmussen trainee that's been knocking on the door a lot after breaking its maiden, but uh, ran second in the jockey club's uh, grade two at Churchill, and it's his first start back. Again, Asmussen-trained lemon drop kid ought to be able to run all day. But remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the wow factor in the LeCompte where War of Will, Mark Cassie Barn, looks to be the one to beat, breaking from the outside. But I'll tell you what, as I told you two weeks ago, this horse was very, very impressive in the Risen Star Stakes presented by Lamarck Ford. You remember that Ronnie Lamarck and Louis Roussel were partners on Risen Star. All right, let's get to some news that's going on right now. Hall of Fame nominees have been announced. We got five contemporary horses, three trainers, and one jockey in the nine finalists. The uh, the horses included our uh, three-time champion Royal Delta. This is her first year for eligibility. Then you got Horse of the Year, Arve de Grasse, classic winning champion Rags to Riches, champion Blind Luck, and the versatile Gio Ponti, three-time Eclipse Award winner. Of course, he is a stud. And um, the trainers are Mark Cassie, Christopher Clement, and David Whitley. And it looks like... Uh, as far as the jockey's concerned, hopefully Craig Perrette will finally get his due, long overdue. So uh, the uh, ballots will be mailed March 1st, and the results will be announced April 22nd. Now, horses in training that are going to probably meet up with each other. 
Uh, we're talking about the undefeated three-year-olds, game winner, improbable, and Instagram. They all worked uh, just eight days ago at Santa Anita, and uh, looks like two of them could be headed to the San Felipe on March 9th. So game winner, as you know, the champion two-year-old male in 2008, he worked five furlongs in one and two-fifths seconds. I'm an old-timer. I don't go to this hundredth stuff. But still, uh, Unracing's winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but he's looking awful good. Got a little tired at the end, Bob Baffert said, but he's supposed to get tired. The track is deep. So he said the San Felipe is the goal for game winner. And then Instagram, who's not raced since winning the grade two best pale stakes by a wow, uh, 10 and a quarter lengths uh, at Del Mar last August, were six furlongs in 113 and three for Jerry Hollendorfer. And it looks like he may be the other one to go in the San Felipe. Uh, meanwhile, uh, it looks like Improbables might dodge those two. You might remember he won the grade one Los Alamitos cash call futurity in December. He worked six and 115. Not sure where he is going to show up. Uh, let's see. Hey, uh, missed this last week because uh, I talked too much too early. But uh, the Kentucky Broodmare of the Year, Lisa Danielle, passed away two weeks ago at 25. Now, uh, she was the dam of two-time Horse of the Year, Wise Dan. But uh, she was quite a broodmare with some other horses. Uh, she passed away at Patch and Wilkes Farm. You may recall that farm famous for producing so many white horses. Uh, she uh, sustained an injury to her left hind leg. They said, well, if she was younger, we could probably fuse it and she'd be okay for a couple of years. But an older mare like her, uh, there's just no way they were going to let her suffer. So um, Chuck Lapresti trained her most two successful, Wise Dan, of course, the multiple grade one placed and grade two winner successful Dan was another one that came out here. Wise Dan won 19 graded stakes. So she was something else. And she was named by the Kentucky Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Kentucky Broodmare of the Year. Sad to see her go. Now, this is something I missed last week, again, because of time restrictions. But Battle of Midway, who's uh, being pointed for the big race in Dubai, had his first foal. Uh, as you remember, he was determined subfertile, and they put him back into training. And uh, so his stallion career derailed, uh, but he did get five mares in full. He had bred 61, and they just said those weren't fair odds to the breeders. So uh, we will see a couple of Battle of Midways uh, make it to the races, and who knows, maybe uh, – Maybe they'll try him after he is finally uh, retired. Okay, a look at uh, last week's races while we got some time. And uh, we went out to uh, San Anita, the San Marcos. That race went to an Irish bred platinum warrior. Uh, th this was interesting. Shane Foley came in from across the uh, uh, pond. It was only the second time he had ridden at San Anita and came away with the win. Uh, he did win the uh, grade three race over in Ireland, uh, trained by John Sadler now, 34-40. Nobody was watching that they brought this jock in just to ride Platinum Warrior. In the second spot was uh, Epical, just stayed on by ahead over Beachview. Okay, other big races from last week. The At Santa Anita, the last Virginia's the winner, 
no surprise here, although she had to work hard. Sent away a 1-10, to 10, Bella Fina, probably uh, right at or near the top for the favorite of the Kentucky Oaks. Got the job done for Simon Callahan, Flavia and Pratt. Was in the saddle there. Second was Anyana Alreb, Doug O'Neill horse, and third was Calf Moon Bay. Uh, the Thunder Road. It was a Grade Three, one mile at Santa Anita. Uh, the winner in there, True Valor, sent away at eleven to one, trained by Simon Callahan. Then uh, at Tampa Bay Downs, we had uh, uh, several races that uh, we uh, we looked at uh, the Endeavor. The Suncoast and uh, the uh, big Tampa Bay. The winner in there was Inspector Lindley, sent away at three to one. Jose Ortiz in the saddle. Second spot was Diversadero, and third was Curban, Mike Watchmaker's pick. Okay, well, those were uh, some of the big races that were contested last week. Again, this week we're going to be concentrating on the fairgrounds. And I thank you very much for listening to Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, and when we come back, I hope we're lucky enough to have Brian Hernandez with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, if you subscribe to the Blood Horse uh, you got to see one of the best photos I've seen in a long time. It was taken by Bob, the Coglanisi photo family, and it was Brian Hernandez winning the Holy Bull aboard Harvey Wallbanger. Brian, that determined look on your face was fantastic, but the ride that you gave Harvey Wallbanger was even better. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, he he was there first the whole way, and and he showed uh, he showed he's turned into one of the top three year olds. It looks like you know the the Holy Bull is an exciting race. Uh, everybody just kind of almost forgot about us in there, so we thought I talked the race over at Kenny, and um, and like he said, he said just let the horse let the horse find his way, and and he did. You know, we turned for home, and and Harvey was there, and he showed that he looks like it's going to be a fun three year old year for us. He sure does, and I'm going to go back to that race. But before I do, uh, I want to congratulate your your brother Colby, who just the day before scored his 2,000th victory. I tried to do some quick homework. I know he doesn't pass you in earnings, but does this make Colby the winningest Hernandez? Yes, yes, it does. It makes Colby the uh, he's three years young, two years younger than me, but he is the winningest. Winning this Hernandez in the family, and there's been four of us now. So I mean, that's that's a big accomplishment accomplishment for him to uh, to get the to get the acknowledgement to go ahead and win two thousand like that. That's that's huge. You know, I remember talking to you. I'll say a year ago or so, I had you on the show, and you know, we kind of went back through your. Your, your upbringing in Louisiana and how you guys got to, you know, wa- watch your dad ride. And his story sounded uh, very much like yours. I mean, it was basically eat, sleep, and drink horses, and somehow you squeezed some high school in there. Yeah, that's exactly it. He uh, he kind of followed in my footsteps. You know, we were fortunate enough growing up that we, we both worked for Dale Angel, and, and our dad did as well. We all were over there galloping horses for Dale, and uh, Dale kind of got us all over, all all three of us going. And um, I know he he did a tremendous amount of, for my dad's career, being able to ride good horses for him. And then for Kobe and I to be able to just gallop horses and and ride for him for the the time we did, it, it was truly valuable. And then for Kobe to go on and and be able to be as successful as he has down there in Louisiana and, and get to that two thousand and, and climbing mark, that's that's a huge accomplishment for him. Oh, absolutely. It is for, for any rider. Now, I was listening to the interview with him on Horse Racing uh, Radio, and they asked him a question that I, I want to kind of re-ask you. And they asked him about uh, kind of uh, uh, guidance that he got from your father. And the one thing that stuck out with him was that your dad told him, listen to the older jocks. Who were the older jocks that you listened to? Because I'm guessing your dad gave you the same kind of insight into how to learn the game. Yeah, you know, just just growing up throughout this whole game, I've been fortunate enough to be in in the corner with the right guys. You know, like I, I went from Evangeline Downs right into uh, to Churchill Downs that with the bug, and the guy sitting next to me in the corner was Calvin Burrell, and and wow. guys like that, and I had Shane Sellers, and even growing up back there in Louisiana, we had we had uh, my dad and guys like C.J. Woodley, and just older guys that that you you sit back and watch, and you uh, you learn from. You know, they've they've been in situations that you're going to have to face eventually, and and you try to learn from what they do right and what they've done wrong, and and just growing up, and especially throughout my whole career, I've been fortunate enough now where. I'm, I'm riding against the best riders in the country, and, and even to this day, I get to sit back and watch guys like I get to compete against guys like Johnny V and Edgar Prado and, and the best of the best. And it's just it's fun because it, you get to see how they how they'll 
see a race develop, and, and you try to learn off of them. Well, uh, you're, you're I, I guess, about 33, 34 now. Am I in the right ballpark? Yes, yeah, 33 now. So I guess I'm... I guess I'm considered one of the old guys now. It's funny how that all of a sudden you go from the young kid to, oh, man, now you're one of the old guys. You never even noticed it happened. I, I wouldn't call you old yet, Brian, but um, are there any young riders on the circuit that sometimes maybe come to you for advice? Yeah, you know, especially being down here at Florida, in Florida, it's been fun because, unfortunately, the kid here that just went went down, Romero Mirage, he... He's in the corner right next to me, so we were, he'd always come over and he'd kind of ask questions and stuff like that. And he's a really good rider, and it, it, it's unfortunate he's having a he went through the circumstances he's going through right now. But uh, once he bounces back, you'll you'll really see how good of a rider he he'll become. Well, it's really neat. You have to have the right temperament. A, as a young rider, to be able to approach and keep your ears open and your mouth shut, and B, as an older rider, to say, hey, you know, this kid's not going to steal my pocketbook. If he's got questions for me or if I saw something out on the track that I can help him with, I have, as long as he's willing to listen, I have, uh, you know, all the will in the world to impart what I've learned to him. Exactly, and and that all goes back into the safety aspect as well. If you, if you get a guy that's going to listen and learn and want to learn from older riders it just makes it makes it safer for everyone you know it just makes it to where you know going out there that this guy's not just going to go out there and just be a kamikaze and and he's willing to learn uh, absolutely well uh, it's kind of neat um i don't know if a lot of people know but you took yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone but it couldn't have happened at a better time uh for you and your wife and your jamie and your Two kids, which remind me right now, their names and how old they are. Jocelyn is four, and then Benjamin is two. Okay, I you got a really cute picture of, I believe it's you oh. and him on your Facebook page. That is great, but uh, uh, you, you know, but you, you really started to pick up momentum down there in Florida, and that ride aboard Sir Anthony, where you scored over heavily favored Audible in the Harlan's Holiday. Uh, that that really kind of stamped you as, whoa, and I'm sure it didn't uh, bother Kenny McPeak at all that you did that job with his horse. Yeah, that the uh, Tony Mitchell being able to let us ride Sir Anthony that day, you know, we went into that race against Audible, of course. <clears throat> Audible was the horse to beat, but uh, I went back and watched a few of, of uh, Sir Anthony's races, and he had run some good races against for a three-year-old, and some open allowance races against olders at Hawthorne that were that were sneaky good. So after watching a few of the replays, I thought that if I if we kind of gave him the right trip and and let him let the race develop and uh and let things happen, that we could be one too. And and he did it. You know, we were fortunate enough that we had able to get up the fence and just kind of save all the ground around there. And uh, we beat Audible that day. And and that was that was a big boost for for my confidence being here at Gulfstream because, like you said, it was. I was kind of coming down here, Frank and myself, we didn't know what to expect. You're coming into the, the Gulfstream Park Championship meet with the, the top riders and the top outfits in the country. And uh, we were just kind of came into this place with an open mind. And, and to be able to jump off and win a, a greater race right away, it was, it was a big boost. And it just kind of propelled us forward. Well, Brian Hernandez Jr., don't downplay your resume because you came into that meet after capturing the 2018 Churchill Downs Spring Meet. 
what did that feel like for a young kid from Louisiana? Yeah, that that was great. That's that's one of the the proudest things I have going for me. I think is the amount of races that we've been able to win at Churchill Downs. And and I was looking up the uh, the record books the other day, and I think we're like thirteenth all time winning this rider at Churchill, and then we're like sixth or seventh stakes wise. And it's it's just it's a shining moment to be able to to compete at the level that we have there at Churchill, and then to be able to but. 2018 we had last year was unbelievable. We were able to win like 13 or 14 graded races, a couple grade ones, and just being able to to have the the quality of horses that we're able to ride right now. It's just it's a lot of fun. Well, it's great, and obviously, you know, it, it, people are recognizing you, your talent. It's not like you just snuck up or you're some overnight sensation. You worked hard for it, but uh, just as you put a picture-perfect ride on, on Sir Anthony, I don't know if you're stealing a page out of your old buddy Calvin Burrell's book, but we'll go back now to Harvey Wallbanger. You were ninth at the half mile. But just like him, you were saving ground the whole way. You secured your inside position starting on the first turn. You weren't hurried at all. You saved all the ground, obviously getting a lot of kickback. I can see that in the photo on the blood horse. Um, at, at what point did you feel like, whoa, I got some serious horse under me? Going into the race, we, we went into it with, with quiet confidence, I guess is the best way to put it. Because uh, if you look back at Harvey Harvey's races, he's run second in a couple maiden races throughout the country against some really good horses. He was second to uh, Postcave Parfait. He was second to Complexity over in Saratoga. And we we thought that he always ran to his competition. He just he ran into some monsters. So going into the the Holy Bull the other day, we we had no pressure on us. I mean they. We were kind of an overlooked horse. We hadn't we hadn't started since November at Churchill, and uh, just kind of went out there and, and trusted our horse. And, and he developed. He showed up for us, you know, being able to save all another, save all the ground, and give him a clean trip. And and Harvey showed the rest of the way for us. Well, it would be pretty neat. I mean, he's on the Derby Trail now. All uh, uh, arrows are kind of pointing that you might show up at the Fountain of Youth. Um, and, of course, uh, I've known Kenny McPeak for many years, so I've got uh, several reasons to, to root for this horse. Now, I told everybody on my Facebook page I was going to ask it two questions. First question, number one, did you ever drink a Harvey Wallbanger? I've not had a Harvey Wallbanger. I uh, I didn't even know what the Harvey Wallbanger was until we got home that night. Jamie and I Googled it, and we realized it was a drink. And then we uh, we started Googling the Harvey Wallbanger deal, and then the, the Buffalo popped up, so we had to watch a couple of his races. <laughs> I was telling people that. Yeah, he was a racing Buffalo that used to race against horses, and I guess he had pretty good speed out of the gate. Yeah, that's what uh, I was talking the next morning with uh, DW, Mike Thomason's assistant, and he was telling me about it. I guess he he's seen a couple of his races live, and he said it, it was pretty wild. It was it was fun to watch. <laughs> it, it's a neat I name. Guy, I guess the guy that uh, that originally he that originally raced Harvey Wallbanger. I guess after he retired, he ended up opening up opening up some bar over in Phoenix in the Phoenix area. And is that where the drink developed? Um, I'm not sure. This is what I, what I was told from a DW. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but should this horse do well on the first Saturday in May, you might be passing on the mint juleps and ordering Harvey Wallbangers for everybody. <laughs> exactly. You know, well, we also, we, we have Harvey over there in the barn with Kenny, and then we have, uh, we have Signal Man as well. We're, we're looking forward to getting him going this year oh, for his jockey club win. We're going to, he'll be getting going here shortly. Uh, you might have some tough decisions. Well, I talked to you a little bit off the air about uh, you won't be at Gulfstream this week. You'll be back in Louisiana at the fairgrounds. And it uh, looks like you're sitting on a solid horse at the fairgrounds and first premio in the fairgrounds handicap. Yeah, he uh, he's an exciting horse. He When I rode him last time, it was his first race in eight months, I believe. And uh, I talked with David and Mark about about the race and they said you know this isn't our ultimate goal just let's go ahead and get a good race in him get a good foundation and uh we'll have a because the grass series down there in new orleans is really great we have they have uh it's a whole series leading up to the mervin munez and the uh like they said the the ultimate goal is the mervin at the end of the meet but let's uh let's get a good race and first premio he went out there and he left there in good order it was a short field but he tracked them and uh he just ran right on by Great wide open was a big favorite that day, but uh, he just first premio just went right on by him, and there was never any challenge for him. So we have to go into this race. I mean, we're stepping into deeper waters, of course, with a uh, synchrony and those guys. But uh, it looks like we have a horse that that we're looking forward to for the rest of the year. Yeah, and you'll see some familiar faces, uh, Sir Dudley Diggs and uh, Great Wide Open that ran behind you are in there. Let me just move real quick. I don't know if you're riding this horse as a favor for uh, your wife because her uh, uncle used to train the horse. Uh, Mo don't know, two-time a horse of the year, but just uh, doesn't seem to be the same horse he used to be. But, man, he was one class act, closing in on a million dollars. You'll be riding him in the mineshaft handicap. Yeah, we ride him in the mineshaft. He's he's stepping up from the from the Ohio breads. Of course, I've watched a lot of his races with Jake training him. We always with Jeff training him. We always uh, we'd always watch his races, and uh, I'm looking forward to riding him. I mean, I talked to uh, to Ron, the owner today in the paddock here at Gulfstream, and he says the horse is training great over there at the fairground. So uh, we'll go ahead and give it our best shot. It can't hurt. Well, an- another one that could uh, jump up and surprise the field in the Risen Star would be Limonite. You got the ride on that. Trained by Steve Asmussen, and you got breeding that should make you run all day. I'm guessing this will be your first time seeing this horse, Brian. Yeah, first time I've been on him. I've seen him quite a bit. I've, I've run it. He's run behind Signal Man a couple times. He was third in the Jockey Club, and uh, he was second to Signal Man when we were up at Saratoga. And uh, I'm really excited about riding him. He's he's a horse that looks like he's he should get better now that he's turning three. And and with, especially with Steve, he knows how to have these horses for the Risen Star ready to go. And hopefully, he's the next gun runner. Well, you'll you'll have uh, you'll have decisions to make down the road, and that there'll be uh, decisions most jockeys would uh, like to be challenged with as far as uh, who you might want to ride on the first Saturday in May. So exactly, uh, but, you, you want to be a part of these races. Yeah, because as you you know, as as quick as one can rise to the top, they can get a quarter crack, or you know, yeah. anything can happen. And it's great to have it, a plan it, B. Exactly, we've. We've been through that already this year with uh we got we had the two year old last year, Cairo Cat. He won the um he won the Iroquois and then right after that he hasn't we ha- he hasn't been able to make it back to the races yet. So uh hopefully he'll he'll be back later in the fall. 
Well, uh, Brian Hernandez Jr., always great talking to you. I'm always in your corner. And say hi to your lovely Eclipse Award-winning wife, Jamie, for me. Will do. Thanks for having me on, John. All right. We've been talking to Brian Hernandez Jr. Going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the races at the fairgrounds, and we're going to get the uh, main man at the fairgrounds, Ryan Martin, with us right after this break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, a name that has become very familiar on these airwaves, Ryan Martin uh, from uh, the, uh, the the fairgrounds is, is with us again, and I think he's going to be with us during the summer, too, as I know he might be moving up to the New York area. He started out in Louisville, as I told you early, uh, pursued a career in the racing industry, went through the University of Louisville's equine program, and uh, now he's down uh, at, at the fairgrounds. Rounds and Brian, you got a big Saturday lined up, man. I see four great stakes races and st- six stakes races overall. Yeah, I know. It's a huge day of racing. Uh, and look, I'll be honest. I mean, the fairgrounds has been, on our big days this year, we have assembled some of the greatest fields, uh, I mean, that we've assembled in a long time. And that doesn't, that, that doesn't just restrict to LeCompte Day or Risen Star Day this upcoming Saturday. I mean, Santa Super Saturday in December was a huge success. I mean, we had, aside from the stakes races, a lot of really solid maiden races and a lot of, um, you know, two-year-old allowance races and whatnot. And, I mean, on our big days, the quality of racing has just only increased. And, obviously, we saw a couple of defections. Uh, Bob Baffert's not coming with Chasing Yesterday. 
or Kingley. And I was and I was pretty disappointed because I mean, chasing yesterday in positive spirit, two siblings of Derby winners. I was doing all kinds of research and asking people, hey, who wins the last time two siblings of Derby winners squared off against each other? Uh, but I mean, she's not coming. But nevertheless, it is a great day of racing, and I couldn't be more excited. Well, you, you should be. And if I can ask quickly, I lived in New Orleans, so I know. Are we looking at maybe a halfway decent day weather-wise? Yeah. Uh, last time I checked the forecast, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be good. Uh, Lacanze was a little iffy. We you know we got some rain. Uh, you know that morning it ended up being a, ended up being better than we had anticipated, which was nice. Uh, I did not have I did not anticipate having to walk out to my car and grab my sunglasses, uh, but that was a pleasant surprise. And it looks like Risen Star Day is supposed to be pretty nice. Great, great. Because well, I remember when I was talking to you uh, back there, it was, uh, you know, before the LeCompte. And, uh, you know, we were all talking about the wow horse. And I guess talking about uh, War of Will uh, was uh, well worth it because this horse, by rated perfectly for Tyler Gaffleone, uh, sat in third. And if you go back and look at the replay, well, uh, he, he, he won the race impref- impressively. He was never hit. No, he was never hit, was never really asked. Uh, once he asserted himself to the front and made his winning move, it was pretty much all over from there. And he galloped out with all kinds of authority with a lot left in the tank. And, you know, I'll just go ahead and jump right to the, uh, the conclusion that, I mean, I don't think they're going to beat him on Saturday. It's, I mean, and he's 5-2 to two morning line. I would be very surprised if he did not go off anything around 6-5 to five at post time. All right, let me get to that race so we can talk about some of the other horses. We're talking about the Risen Star Stakes, and uh, we're, the the fact that he drew uh, far outside post, I don't think it's going to matter. He, he's got a really patient way of handling himself, and as I look at his buyers, uh, Ryan, he just seems to get better and better and better, and when you can win the way he did by four links in the LeCompte without ever being, you know, tapped, shall I say, yeah. uh, that that's right. that's pretty darn impressive. Now, uh, Hot Creek Hustle and Manny Wah are going to come back. I mean, there's a reason why they put him in the gate. We've seen a lot of favorites get beat over the year. They only win 33% of the races, but uh, I was so impressed with that race. Again, he's trained by Mark Cassie. Uh, he's a son of Warfront. Uh, and as I believe we talked about the last time, is that uh, his his dam uh, is a half to spinning world who won the 1997 Breeders' Cup mile. So we're talking about a lot of pedigree class here. Uh, the who knows? This could be, this could be the wow horse of 2019. Uh, yeah, I mean it's only February, it's only mid-February, but certainly you know it looks like he could really make some noise later on in the year. And it's interesting. Today I spoke with Justin Cassie, Mark's brother, uh, the bloodstock agent who picked him out. He went to France to Deauville to buy the horse, and the pedigree screams turf. But I mean, one thing that he did point out that I already knew: uh, he's got Aldebaran. Uh, a nice sprinter that the late Bobby Frankel trained in his pedigree. And I asked him, I'm like, when you saw him, what did you think? And he's like, you know, he didn't really strike me as a, a turf horse or a dirt horse. He kind of had a neutral opinion as far as what surface he would like. But, I mean, hey, fast forward, you know, just 
south of a year later, and, I mean, I think it's pretty clear which surface he prefers. He obviously likes the turf. He's run well on it against nice horses. But, I mean, this horse is just, I mean, he, he excels on dirt and has not, I mean, he hasn't been asked to do much. Uh, no, he hasn't. Now, uh, what uh, what we've got to do now is either find the horses that are going to go underneath them or horses that uh, we will, uh, you know, pick pick for an upset. Now, it just... I, I like to always kind of look at horses that are trying something they never tried before. We got a horse that's nominated the Triple Crown, who's never run on anything but the turf out of the Mike Maker stable, and that's yeah. Headley's Joy, uh, who looks like a horse that uh, is enjoying going longer and longer. Uh, you know, and just like War of Will, who all of a sudden excelled when he left the Greensward, uh, I think you maybe got to throw this horse on your ticket. Well, I'm going to politely disagree because I, and I was texting my dad earlier today and I told him the num in my opinion, the number one rule of pedigrees in 2019 is don't bet a kitten's joy on the dirt. And, <laughs> you know, kitten's joys have, I mean, unless your name is Saba, you know, have proven time and time again that they prefer turf. And I agree. Henley's joy is a nice horse, but I mean, kitten's joys are not dirt runners. And, you know, Jeff Bloom's taking a shot. I spoke with him the other day, and, you know, he likes the horse, and they like his chances. But, I mean, it was the main reason I didn't like Roaring Lion in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And, I mean, he I mean, he was struggling over the dirt. Uh, kittens, you know, pedigrees, horses don't always run to pedigree, but that is one rule of thumb that almost never fails. Uh, you know, Henley's Joy is a nice horse, and I think he's going to make a lot of noise throughout the year in the three-year-old turf division in races like the Penn Mile, uh, you know, in races like, you know, maybe the Belmont Derby. And, but, you know, in this race, I think that, you know, they're catching a little bit of derby fever, and they're giving him a shot, and you've got to give him credit. I mean, you never know till you try. So, I mean, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Well, I, the, another horse that uh, I won't say he's uh, – uh, war of will but horses uh, almost literally gotten better every single start is owendale trained by i believe your old boss brad cox uh he's a son into mischief who's one of the hottest studs right now uh this horse i think has to be considered a, a factor on your ticket a factor yes uh i will say that there are other horses in the race that i do like more than owendale and he definitely beat a nice field last time out uh, in that uh, really salty allowance race. He beat his very well-bred uh, stablemate, Kornakia, who was supposed to run a big race. And, you know, he beat Frolicmore and Gunnett, a relative of Gunrunner, who I, who I actually kind of like on Saturday. But, and, and Owendale could very well run a big race. I mean, he proved himself against a salty bunch of winners. But if we're kind of, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if we're looking to the, as far as Derby is concerned, Into Mischief's a hot sire, but he is not the kind of sire I want if I'm looking for a Derby winner. Into Mischief's, for whatever reason, are not mile and a quarter material. They're anything from a mile and an eighth on down, you, Into Mischief's your sire, but he's not, if I'm, put it this way, if I have a broodmare and I want to get a Derby prospect out of this baby, I'm not breeding to Into Mischief. Well, just remember a year ago, they said scat daddies couldn't get a mile and a quarter. But with that said, the Risen Star, uh, we both like War Wool. Give me the two horses 
that Ryan Martin might like underneath? Underneath, Pluski Parfait for sure, and I'm going to go with Gunnett. Pluski Parfait had a lot a lot that did not go his way. He lost a shoe. He stumbled at the start. He had a wide post. And I think that if you give him a cleaner trip this time, he's going to hit the board. He's proven that he's capable of running with the big dogs. He beat Harvey Wallbanger, who you saw ended up winning the Holy Bull. He ran a huge race in the Kentucky Jockey Club, uh, finishing a close second to Signalman. I think that Pluska Parfait is one you definitely got to use. Of course, he's probably going to be second, third, or fourth choice. Uh, but definitely throw him in there. I think he's going to hit the board with a clean trip. And then gun it. Uh, I mean, talk about pedigree. It doesn't get any better than that. He's got some quirks, but Asmussen's not one to get ahead of himself and be overly ambitious. Asmussen's more realistic. And the fact that this horse is in this race, I think, speaks some volumes. Asmussen obviously has some high hopes for him and some confidence. Now, he was on the also eligibles. Uh, do we know about any scratches where he'll get in? Well, Kingley's going to scratch uh, for Bob Baffert. Uh, Baffert reported that Kingley is Kingley and Chasing Yesterday both are scratching. And Chasing Yesterday, no alternative plans have been made for. But Kingley is entered in the El Camino Real Derby uh, on the same day as the Risen Star. So neither Baffert horses have shipped in. So Gunnett gets in. Okay, well, thanks for letting us know about that. Well, as long as we're dealing with the big races here, we're just going to move on uh, without a break because you're just that important, Ryan, and so are your races. All right, trivia question. I don't know what time you tuned into the show, but who was the first jockey to win a race on Rachel Alexandra? Brian Hernandez, Jr., Bing, 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 bing. Okay, you win a six-pack of Coke <laughs> and a wristband from Howe's Jewelers. Very good. I was lucky enough to be there day, that day working at Keeneland as the backup photographer. But, uh, yes, it was it was Brian. And then after that, of course, uh, we all know that uh, Calvin Burrell took the horse from there. All right. Well, we've got some interesting horses here. It's kind of uh, – we got looks like we got a lot of horses that are going to contend for the early lead in here. And as you stated, I want to tell everybody, Chasing yesterday, the horse that Ryan's mentioning, uh, if you don't already know, is a half-sister to American Pharaoh that's already a grade one winner that is four for five in her career. I don't know how much. She probably never has to race again, and she's one of the most valuable fillies in the world. But anyhow, she's not coming in. And... uh, so we've got a lot of this speed. Now, tell me about, you talked about the pedigree of positive spirit. Uh, is a horse that I know that Byron King from the form is liking. Uh, explain to me the uh, the pedigree on positive spirit and why that enhances her chances. Well, I mean, simple. She's a half to a Kentucky Derby winner and always dreaming. Uh, you know, she's by Pioneer of the Nile, a hot sire. But uh, I'll tell you, and, and I mean, she... I mean, she ran lights out in the demo cell at a price, and I actually had her that day, uh, you know, and, and it was coming fresh off a nice maiden win at Churchill. But I'm going to tell you, she's not going to be my top selection, and my top selection is going to be neat supervision. In races like this, you've got to go with a horse that just keeps on improving, 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 and that is exactly what neat supervision has done. She broke her maiden at Laurel. She beat three next out winners, one of which was Fashion Fauxpas, who won a stake at Tampa pretty decisively. She beat two graded stakes place fillies at Churchill against winners at a price. Uh, Meadow Dance, who's actually grade one place 
and lights the camera action for McPeak. And then after that, she came back, won the Silver Bullet Day against some nice ones. She's going to get tested here. But Jerry O'Dwyer's kind of, he's, he's not as well-known a trainer as, you know, say some of the other ones in this race, like Catalano or Asmussen. But, I mean, he likes the, he likes the filly a lot. And, I mean, she's done nothing wrong. And, you know, you've got to go with a horse that just keeps on improving. And, in my opinion, if she wins this race, I mean, you've got to put her atop the, atop the, uh, the oak standings. Um, what do you think about a horse I'm familiar with because I'm, I know her owner, uh, Serengeti Empress? I just think between you and me, she – uh, I think you got to put a line through her Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I, I just think she had kind of peaked in the Pocahontas. But what are you going to do? You're going to take a shot in the Breeders' Cup. And uh, she was up there for a little while, had trouble on the first turn. It looked like Corey just kind of wrapped up on her after that. Um, she is going to be part of this uh, uh, speed uh factor that enters into this race with Leora, uh, Positive Spirit could be right there. Uh, just feeling you out on Sarah Gentry Empress. Yeah, Serengeti Empress, I spoke to Amos about the filly. I mean, he's confident in her, but he also thinks that she's one that he didn't dismiss her chances, per se, but he does think that she will be more cranked for the Fairgrounds Oaks. So that being said, uh, not going to make her my top selection. Uh, I do think she'll run big, and I do think she'll hit the board, but I would look for her to run an even, regardless of what she does on Saturday, I'd look for her to run an even bigger race at the end of the meet in the Fairgrounds Oaks because it sounds to me like Amos is going to have her a little more cranked then. Because, uh, she, look, she just came back from vacation, and she's just kind of getting back into the swing of things. He's got some works under her belt. Um, and, and, yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, cross a, uh, draw a line through her Breeders' Cup. I actually loved her in the Breeders' Cup because of her Pocahontas win and how decisive it was. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens this time around. Uh, one more. Uh, again, uh, we are uh, talking with Ryan Martin from the fairgrounds, and we're talking about the Rachel Alexandra Grade 2, $200,000. Great card. Um, Molto Bella came back after, uh, you know, a, uh, a win in the Gasparilla, had a layoff, and came back. That was at seven furlongs. Now she'll be back to two tur- long, uh, two turns, and again, this is a this is a horse. It's a I'm guessing it's probably going to get some odds. I notice all of a sudden Julian Leperu picks up the mount. Is this a good long shot horse to put on our ticket? She very well could be, and I know that my colleague Joe Christofek actually really likes her a lot. You know, she you know, she won pretty decisively at Tampa last out. She actually ran the distant fourth behind Positive Spirit in the demo cell at Aqueduct. I think that. I'm a little skeptical of her, but she's, look, she's, she merits a chance. But at the same time, there are others that I do like more than her. All right. Would, would one of those be Oxy Lady? I'll tell you what, the connections behind Oxy Lady are pretty confident. She ran a great race in the, in the, uh, in the stakes, attempted at Aqueduct. And, you know, her, her starlet didn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, you know, she, but it was, you know, it was her first time, you know, shipping such, such a far distance and, you know, she may have not taken to the track that day. And I mean, look, she was up against chasing yesterday and mother, mother, you know, two of Baffert's best two year old fillies. And I do like Oxy lady and I would might put her third or fourth on my selections. 
All right, Ryan, my producers tell me I only got two minutes left, so feet to the fire. The Mineshaft Handicap, mile and a 16th. Lone Sailor uh, took uh, the fairgrounds to his route to the Kentucky Derby last year. Of course, Tom Amos, no stranger down there. Uh, last race was in a nice little one called the Breeders' Cup Classic. Looks like uh, he's back on his toes and likes the fairgrounds. Yeah, I mean, he's never really run a bad race at the fairgrounds aside from the Lecompte when they put blinkers on him, and that was admittedly a mistake on Amos's end. He owns up to that. But look, you're going to get him coming off a layoff. You're going to get Flame Away coming off a layoff, and both of those are going to take money because of name recognition. I think that if you, I think this is a race you could potentially get a price at. Uh, a horse like Fat Man, who's been consistent, a horse like Harlan Punch, who just won a stake at fairgrounds last month, those are going to be the types of horses I would use. I even would throw in third day from Brian Lynch, a horse that's improving. He was off for nearly two years, and you know he needed a couple races to figure it all out, but third time was the charm, third time off the bench. He finally got the job done last time out. Lynch is shipping him here. I can't remember the last time he's been to fairgrounds, uh, but he's 20 to 1 morning line, which I found hard to believe. So that's one you could throw in there. Uh, once again, uh, who are we talking about? third day brian lynch third day okay go so fast okay uh <laughs> now i'm looking at two minutes to close so you take a little bit of a deep breath there ryan and uh hopefully we'll get on the turf at the fairgrounds handicap again this is the horse that uh brian hernandez says is the reason why he's traveling to new orleans this weekend first premio he was pretty impressed with the colonel bradley there's going to be the top three finishers of that race coming out there uh then you got the likes of uh big changes and synchrony that have always been keeping the best of company great wide open of course ran third to uh brian's horse i'm taking up too much time of yours who you like well, I'll try to be as brief as possible. I would take Synchrony on top. I spoke to Mike Stidham, and he is as confident uh, now in Synchrony as he was a year ago. And a year ago, he was very confident in the horse. And he ended up collecting four graded stakes wins last year. Uh, I expect to see Synchrony on his, on his, on his absolute best behavior. Uh, but look for a big run from first premio. He definitely merits a chance. Well, you were there to watch those races, so that's why we uh, check in uh, w- with you, Ryan. And I-, I certainly appreciate your time, your insights, and I'm kind of jealous of you. Um, I'll let you know if I can make it down there for the, the Louisiana Derby because uh, I think we might see some of these horses we've been talking about today racing on that card, too. So uh, ha- have a great time. Have a great Saturday. Uh, there were stakes we couldn't even get to, so I tell all the listeners of Winning Ponies, Check out Saturday's card at the fairgrounds. Don't get much better than that. Thanks for having me, John. All right. That was Ryan Morton, Brian Martin. And I really want to thank uh, Brian Hernandez, Jr. He is just one class act. I, I love that guy. And uh, I'd love to see him uh, waving the roses on the first Saturday of May, no matter which horse he's on. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember to pull down the easy win forms. Had a lot more big winners this week. Appreciate you listening to Winning Ponies. If you've got some good friends that would like to listen to it, we put it back on podcast right away. I want to thank my producer, Josh, and I want to remember we're going to be back next week with more racing. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. (music) 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.